the double-edged sword of national recognition. Let's talk about that. Good morning, listeners. My name is the Narwhal from the movie with Buddy the Elf. Oh yeah, it's called Elf. Bye, buddy. I hope you find your dad. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. So, today we're going to be talking about national recognition. Everyone wants it until they get it, then they don't want it anymore. It's kind of like whenever you start listening to an artist before everyone else, and you're like, oh my god, this is the greatest artist ever. They're amazing. And then if someone else brings them up, you're like, oh my god, you know insert name here? I can't believe you know insert name here. Aren't they the best? Yes, they are. Oh my god, they're amazing. And then their songs get on the radio. And then they get a lot more fans. And then all their other fans don't love them the same way that you love them. They don't know them like you know them. They just know them from their songs on the radio. And then you start to police how they love them. And you become the annoying fan. That's what's happening currently. And I will say, in those scenarios, don't you want your artist to get recognition, the recognition that they deserve? And then, in the case of music, at least, sometimes that results in the artist, quote-unquote, selling out and just making songs that are radio hits and go get on the radio and they don't make their music like they used to. In the words of somebody, I don't remember who, it's some classic rock artist. If you like my old stuff, go listen to my old stuff. So, you know, the Panthers are going to get recognition. They're going to get national recognition by people who may or may not know what the heck they're talking about. I was listening to, I think her name is Kay Adams, I think is her name. And she was talking about the offense and the defense of the Panthers and how the defense has potential but they might take a step back and they have some good pieces and you could clearly tell she wasn't comfortable with the subject that she was talking about you know where they're like looking off to the side because there's probably some prompter with names on it to remind them who plays on the team she was pausing all over herself and saying um uh mm, uh and it's like anytime she had to reference anything specific it was very much clunky just Pay attention to that with these on-air personalities when they're doing these, like, you know, they have to do these social media, microwave, popcorn, culture type of segments where it's like the top five teams you see for 2023 is Doc Horse candidates. They always call it something like Fab Five or whatever. They always have a section for it because people's uh, attention spans are so freaking low. They're like goldfish because we live in a microwave popcorn society. That's just the way that it is. We want things now. We want them ready now. And we want them yesterday in three and a half minutes or less. That's what we want. And that's what the networks have kind of gone through is that like, oh, here's a three and a half minute segment. We've got six minutes on the clock. Here is a lineup of things that we're going to talk about. And we're going to go one by one, a minute and 20 seconds each. Do these things sound familiar? They should. Because it's every sports show in America outside of podcasts. And then on podcasts, You've got people talking about God knows what. 
and everybody and their mother has a podcast. I mean, this podcast is super unique. It is a straight white guy talking about sports. Wait a second. God, uh, just kidding. Of course, this is like every other sports podcast in America, except those don't have me. So, you know, maybe that's the difference. Doubt it. But either way, all I'm saying is, as Panthers fans, we can't be good and not get recognition. Of course, there's going to be people who doubt us. Of course, there's going to be people who jump on the bandwagon. I was watching Marcus Spears. He was saying that Bryce Young was going to be a problem. Dan Orvlosky, is that how you say his name? Talking about his praises for Bryce Young. But I will say, someone like Dan, he pretty much praises everybody. You're not going to get much of uh, a trash talk or whatever out of him for guys who haven't played yet. He apparently sees the potential in everyone, which is fine. But, you know, his words just mean less whenever he praises or makes comments about guys, especially like Bryce Young. You're like, yeah, you said the same thing about Anthony Richardson. You said the same thing about CJ Stroud. You said the same thing about Will Levis. It's like they can't all be the next Joe Montana. Someone's going to have to bust. You're not going to have four Hall of Fame quarterbacks in the same draft class. I hope. I really just hope there's one. And then the other guys have successful careers, but they always lose to Bryce Young and they always lose to the Panthers. That's the hope. But I digress. All that to say, get your shit together before you talk about my Panthers. That's all I ask. Study up. Do your homework. It's your job. If I went to my job as unprepared as some of these sportscasters go to their job with, I would not have a job anymore. And just imagine the weatherman getting up there and like not knowing the weather. It's like it's your job to know 30 teams. That's it. 30 teams in the NFL. Especially with the likes of Dan Orvlosky, Mina Kimes, who I like both of them. Uh, but someone like Kay Adams, who wants to talk about football. And I think they talk about other sports, but we all know that football is their big moneymaker. And especially for the former football players, that's supposed to be their their expertise, their realm. And if that's going to be a realm, if, if I only had 30 teams and that was my full-time job, you better believe that I would have everyone's rosters memorized. I'd be pulling names, statistics, like all of that stuff I would be pulling every day. If I had a chance to prep for that, like it was my actual 40 hours a week, and also, they're not on air 40 hours a week. I don't know how, how much time they actually work. But it's like you're really only preparing for, what, like 10 minutes of screen time? Unless you're like Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith where you're talking for a straight hour. But even then, like I can do a 30-minute podcast. I'd say for every 30 minutes, you really have to prep, depending on the topic. If it's something you know nothing about... You have to prep probably an hour, I would say, double the time that you're actually on the air because the content goes quick, y'all, with these on-air personalities. That's why they just jump from thing to thing. If, But if I had all 30 teams at my disposal to talk about, do you think I would be talking about the Cowboys every other chance I get? It's like there are so many other stories, so many other teams, so many other fan bases as the NFL grows and turns into a global product. And focuses more on the TV deals. Honestly, the stadiums might be empty if they keep it up. This Thursday night flex thing. So I got to take a chance to look into it. And my God, I hope that the Panthers do not get flexed like that. Because that is just total BS. Think about it. It's like 
If it's 28 days in advance, they can choose to flex a team in weeks 13 through 17 from a Thursday to a Sunday or a Sunday to a Thursday, and they can only be flexed once, I believe. Well, they can only have two Thursday night games, excluding the first one, because the Lions have the first game of the season, which, why would you complain about that? Lions fans are saying, oh, we have two Thursday night games within the first three weeks. It's like, yeah, but the first one's an advantage, because you get the Thursday night game, and then you don't have another game for another 10 days. So you get nine extra days, or sorry, not nine extra days, but you get basically nine days to prep for that game. So I don't really see what the issue is. You just play two or three days earlier, and you've had the whole off season to prepare. So, And the other team is at the exact same. Um, what, what is it when you don't have an advantage or a disadvantage? It's just vantage the other team has the exact same vantage as you so i don't see where the complaints are coming in but honestly lions fans are going to complain about anything i probably would too if i hadn't had a playoff win in over 40 years can't relate been to the super bowl twice a couple nfc championships the lions would kill to have our history and they've been around for way longer than us aren't they one of like the original teams along with the brown them and the browns have got to be the two least successful franchises in the NFL. And given the time, I think that the Panthers are probably one of the most successful franchises in terms of how many years they've been around. I mean, honestly, think about it. The amount of, if we would have won those two Super Bowls instead of lost those two Super Bowls, you'd be talking about probably a top 10 franchise in the NFL, regardless of how long they've been around. If you're just comparing stats and wins and, championships probably a top 10 franchise but with those two losses you're talking like top 20 it's oh what it could have been what it could have been super bowl 50 oh the tom brady one i was like i feel like we kind of capped out i didn't think we were going to win that one i thought it was going to be close and i was hopeful but going into it, i was like i don't think so going into the second one i really thought we were going to win i really did and uh we did not it was sad. We all remember that day. I'm going to stop talking about it. Tears are coming to my eyes, bringing back bad memories. I'm going to wake up with nightmares. But the national media is going to just pull random names. They're going to pull random players. Um, I got a chance to watch Marcus and Mina on, I don't know what their show is called, but while Marcus was complimenting us, it was very general. You can always tell with these guys and girls it's very general. It's very much, did you hear those words that Frank Reich said about Bryce Young? He's smart, intelligent, blah, blah, blah. Like he just listed off words that Frank Reich said and then said, and that's why Bryce Young is going to be great. It's like, oh, have you watched the games has he, that he's played in? Have you seen him throw? Have you seen his workouts outside of the highlights? It's like, do your homework. Give him specific feedback specific compliments or insults you can't just say that they're trash unless you're talking about like Matt Rule that's really the only time that I agreed with Skip Bayless was when he went on that tirade to say that Matt Rule is trash 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 yeah yeah that's the only time but with someone like him or um, Mina Kimes got pretty specific so if you want to listen to some good national news about the Panthers Mina Kimes is a good example of someone who actually pays attention and 
has interfaced with the Panthers before. She's actually talked with the Panthers. I don't know if it's their marketing team technically or who it is, but oh, I don't remember her name. I always forget names when I get on this podcast, but she's the one who basically does the interviews with uh, the players and stuff and they like walk a mile in their shoes and the pop the balloons and the interview with Frank Reich in his house when he first was hired on. So I think that um, she's usually pretty good, but the media in Charlotte in general, ooh, I have a beef with them. I'm so tired of them right now. It's like there's so many storylines in practice right now. There's so many things to glean, so many things to get at, and it's just they they ask the most basic questions that you could ask. It's like this has always been my issue with sports media, but more so, even more so with the Charlotte sports media, it's like they are a like glaring example of the entire problem with sports media as a whole. And I don't blame them necessarily. Some of them I do, but it's like at this point, it's like at least try to get the players to say something different than like I already mentioned the Bryce Young height thing. It's like, yeah, let's talk about something else. Or like asking Frank Reich, like, how do you think Bryce Young looked out there? Like, what do you think he's going to say? Like, ask the question to yourself first and then predict how you think Frank Reich or whoever is going to answer it. And do that a couple times. If you get it completely right both times, it wasn't a good question. I'm sorry. It just was not. If I ask you, oh, how do you think Bryce Young did out there? You're He's just going to say, oh, 10 out of 10. Great command. He was awesome. He's not going to say anything else. He's not going to say, he's not going to give you any specifics you can get away with that with someone who's not media trained like a David Tepper or you ask him something and then he just goes off for five minutes talking about things he probably shouldn't say like at the draft when he was going into everything you could tell he hadn't been with the media before which I'm not saying it's a bad thing I really enjoyed that piece when he was at the draft talking about these things but you're not going to get anything out of that answer it's like, what is your goal with the question? Ask yourself that. What is the goal with this question? I interview people for a living for my job. And I always ask myself, why am I asking this question? And if I can't come up with a good reason, then I don't ask it. You know, I might be trying to get someone comfortable and just ask them a couple softball questions. Like, what's your experience? What's your skill set? Tell me a little bit about yourself. But if I'm asking pointed questions to seek information then I have to ask myself, what's the question? Or either, what information am I trying to get out of this question? So you can even start with what information you're trying to get out of it. Ask yourself, what's my goal here? What do I want to know? I want to know this. Okay, how can I build an effective question to figure out what I want to know? Rather than just going in there, dragging ass and saying, so Frank, how did Bryce Young look out there? Well, Bryce Young looked good. Uh... 10 out of 10 command, he uh, he looked really good, uh, we got some things to work on, uh, but we got some time, it was just nice to be out there with the guys, and uh, yeah, blah, 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 that's it, these guys talk to the media all the time, and you know why they give those basic cliche answers, just take it a day at a time, yeah, we're just gonna take it a day at a time, um, yeah, 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 we're just gonna take it a day at a time, the reason they give those answers is because they get asked the same questions, <laughs> Every week, every week they get asked the same things over and over. 
It's like, what are they expecting out of these questions? I don't get it. What are you, what are you expecting when you ask something like that? Or like anything where you're like, just predict their answers. That's all I ask. Just predict their answers. Just say, okay, when I ask this, they're going to say, oh, take a day at a time. Could you at least like preface it with like, besides taking it a day at a time, how are you planning on preparing for the blank, 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 blank? Or asking them questions where they're asking them to reveal trade secrets. It's like, how how would I answer this question if you ask me how we're going to prepare for, let's say, the Falcons? Because they have a really good running offense. They had over 2,000 yards last year with just running backs, not counting quarterbacks. They were in the top three in the NFL in rushing attacks. The only teams that were better than them, I looked this up yesterday, that's why I know so much about this, I'm not smart, is um, the Ravens and... Oh, who was it? Who was it? They had a running quarterback. Oh, the Bears. So Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, um, both had almost 1,000 yards. I think Justin Fields had like 1,100 yards, and Lamar Jackson had about 800, and he got hurt. So I don't know how many Huntley had, but the rushing attacks above the Falcons were a lot of because they had a really mobile quarterback. Now, Marcus Mariota, surprisingly, he had more rushing yards than I thought he did. He had about 500 or so, but it's like if they had, like Desmond Ritter runs a 4.49, I think. I did all this research yesterday. I was just very curious. And uh, they got more than 2,000 yards out of the running backs, one of which was Tyler Algier. Algier, however you say his name. He was the feature back. And then Cordero Patterson was the other one. And everyone counted Cordero Patterson out before he got to the Falcons. Everyone was pretty down on him. And then suddenly he is a weapon to behold with, I think, like six or 700 yards rushing, plus Tyler Algier, who had like almost 1,300. And then a couple hundred more from, oh, I don't, sorry, I don't remember the third string running back from another team. But, and then it's like all together, it's over 2K. That's very impressive with that. So it's like when they're preparing for the Falcons, you know, the reporters are going to ask a question like, so the Falcons have a very effective run game. How do you plan on stopping it? It's like, you know what Frank Reich's going to say to that? Or whoever it may be, a hero of Arrow, EJ, as they call him, you know what he's going to say. He's like, eh, we just got to play assignment football. We've got to do our job, uh, establish the edge. Um, they have a great rushing attack, give them credit. Uh, but we're going to do what we can to stop it. And I think we've got the tools to do that. Like, that's that's the question that you're going to get. So you have to figure out a way to... I don't know the answer, but that's also not my job. This is what I do for fun. It's not my job to figure out what questions to ask our coaching staff to get more material and better answers out of them. But I do know that you can't just say, here is a thing. Now, how do we stop that thing? Or here is a thing that's going wrong. How do you do better in that thing? Like, that's also... A big pet peeve of mine is whenever the team, like, let's say a quarterback throws four picks. Heaven forbid, throws four picks. And then in the press conference, they're like, so, Sam, you threw four picks. What were you seeing out there? You know, it's going to be, oh, uh, well, then give them a lot of credit. And I missed some throws. and uh, da, 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 da. It's like, you know, it's my old basketball coach. It's like when we would turn the ball over, we get yelled at. Is they like, oh, don't turn the ball over or make your free throws. It's like, yeah, no crap. 
Of course, we're going to try to do that. Thank you. Thank you, coach. That was some A-plus coaching you just did right there. It's the same thing with these reporters of, hey, insert thing here. Response? Or talk about. If you say a question in the form of a statement, that is not a good question. It's not even a question. If you say, could you talk about blah, 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 or Talk about blah, 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 blah. That is a lazy question. That is, I don't want to put any thought in this. I haven't done any research on my own. I don't know how to phrase this, and I haven't even tried. So I'm going to tell you to talk about something for me. So next time you hear talk about... Oops, sorry, I just dropped my pen. When next time you hear talk about, just know that that reporter is being lazy. I'm not saying that they are lazy. I'm saying that that's a lazy non-question. Could you talk about the other team's offense? It's so general. If you want to get in the minds of these coaches and these players, you have to really think like a coach or a player or somebody who is entrenched in obsessed with this topic. If someone is obsessed with the topic, you're not going to ask them the most base level question because you're not even challenging their intellect or their preparation you're kind of insulting them because you're asking questions that are not very constructive or effective. And they're things that these players are like, okay, well, this is not even worth my time because it's such a base level of understanding. It's like, how many times are they going to ask a Vero Havero where players are going to fit in on his defense? It's like, okay, we get it. All right, new defense. 3-4 versus 4-3. Got it. Let's get into the intricacies of that. Let's get into the difference between the linebacker and the 3-4 or the 4-3. Let's, let's do a piece on YGM and see how he's going to fit into the new look. Or Brandon Smith. Or Amari Barno. It's like, there's a lot more to dig there. There's a lot more within that. But, I mean, just imagine getting like your major, your a bachelor's or your doctorate in math. And then somebody comes up to you and like, Hey, Weston, what's 26 plus 14? You're like, uh, okay. Like, it's not even worth my time to answer that question. That's basically what our reporters do to our players and coaches. You're talking about guys who are at the top of the top. There's only 30 teams in the NFL. 30, sorry, 32 teams in the NFL. And there's only 32 head coaches, 32 defensive coordinators, 32 offensive coordinators. That's it. 32, period. Do you know how many there are in the whole country? Probably 100,000. And that's low, low, low balling it. Like, just think of it in that context. So 32 out of 100,000. What percentage is that? Like 0.000032 or something? Like something, like not even a fraction of a percent of the smartest, like most talented dudes in the country and in the world and we're asking them the most basic base level questions imaginable. And we're expecting, well, I don't know what they're expecting, to be honest. I don't know if they're expecting answers that will actually help them write articles or they're just going through another day, going through the motions. But it gets on my last nerve when it comes to that. And I just hate the fact that we have the number one pick in the NFL, one of the biggest figuratively speaking, talents, young talents in the NFL, potential talents, um, a guy who has been 
in the spotlight since he was in high school, going to Manning Camp since he was in high school. He has been on ESPN since then, some maybe middle school at this point, who was a millionaire before he even set foot on campus because of his NIL deals. He has that much star power. And we're over here like, so Bryce, uh, how was it out there? What? <laughs> what? We're talking about a guy who's been playing football his entire life. How do you think it was out there? It was great to get with the guys. That's it. Yeah, it was great. Uh, there's my brothers. It was nice to learn everything. But, oh, whatever. Um, Andy Dalton gave them a nice piece a couple days ago with the missed play thing. Um, that was really cool. Those kind of answers, I really enjoy. Um, he helped them out with that one, though. He wasn't really a, a question that led to it. Well, I guess technically it was. So whatever question that was, that was a good question. I'll give them credit for that. But all in all, the questions that they get asked are not not even really worth their time. Um, I remember, I think it was Sheena Quick was asking Brian Burns how he was going to celebrate. And he was saying that he was going to have Hennessy. And then she was asking how he was going to drink it. Like... That kind of stuff I enjoy. Now, I'm not going to enjoy that stuff all the time, but it is nice to see that stuff occasionally and like these realize these players are human beings, although very advanced and smart ones. Like, I am a monkey compared to some of these guys. They are like the next stage of human evolution. Some of them, like Brian Burns, I swear I think that is the next step of human evolution. It's 6'5" jacked but athletic af like that's got to be the next step but those types of questions the behind the scenes stuff the stuff that you don't normally ask like you know that always catches players off guard too you see it whenever you ask questions like that and they're just like oh well uh well that's a good question um it's all these robotic responses and they get media availability it seems like pretty much every day if not every day at the very least and multiple times a week so I guess they just get, they run out of questions to ask about things. But, you know, if I can do a daily podcast on my free time and get it done most of the time, I think you can find some new questions to ask these guys and also asking different guys. They always want to talk to the top guys like a Bryce Young or a B, <laughs> not BJ Burns, um, uh, but Brian Burns. If you want to talk to those top guys, you can, but... There's a lot of other guys on the team who I think would be more willing to talk and more open to it because they don't get to talk as much as the star players. So I think that maybe you should talk to the other guys instead. Um, and <clears throat> I think also Frank Reich is pretty boring, let's be honest, which I'm fine with. You don't mind having a boring head coach. You don't want someone who's always in the news running red lights like LaMelo Ball. Um, so... I'm fine with it, but that's kind of why he brought in Deuce Daly, because he knew that he was kind of boring. As long as he gets the job done, I don't find wins boring. So let's get some wins. Um, and a hero of Arrow is also pretty boring, let's be honest. And Thomas Brown, I think, is actually pretty funny. He's got a good personality. Um, but again, personality does not matter to me in the stage of football. I think that you need to have the right mix of personalities, and I think we have that. With like Frank Reich and Hero Vero being, well, Hero is not as boring as I say, or milk toast as Frank Reich. Um, he's somewhere in between. And I think 
Thomas Brown kind of comes off to me as someone who is a little bit less like that. I think he's a little bit more maybe competitive and fiery. And just like Deuce Staley is on the other end of the spectrum, as noted by Frank Reich and others, that he is in your face and very boisterous and like will get after it, which I'm fine with either approach as long as we get wins. But uh, Thomas Brown saying, <laughs> like, dude, chill. I don't want to hear any more about your week preparation when he was only on Tuesday after 15 minutes. And I think it's very interesting that Thomas Brown was the one who answered or asked that question because I think it says a lot about him and his history at the position or at least in the game because he was a running back, actually. he, If you look at his history, he ran or he was at UGA, I believe, and he made the all-freshman SEC team. He had a great career. He got hurt his junior year towards ACL right when he was about to have a breakout season. And then he came back his senior year and he had like 1,200 yards all purpose. And he was even splitting carries with Sean Moreno. So when you get a chance, go check out Thomas Brown's college career and his professional career. The dude knows disappointment, which is important in the NFL because you're going to be disappointed a lot. Even as fans, it's like only one team is going to win the Super Bowl. We're going to be disappointed a lot. We're going to lose a lot of games, as we have. I think we went 5-15, and 15, three years in a row maybe, or two years in a row. I think it was three years in a row. And then we won seven games, and we were excited. It's like over the course of four years, we've gotten to experience the elation of winning 22 times in four years, which is not so great. It's the same thing with Thomas Brown. He took a lot of L's in college. He tore his ACL. He got cut after he he got hurt in the preseason. I don't remember what the injury was, but he got hurt in the preseason. He got drafted in the sixth round, hurt. They put him on IR and then cut him. And then he went on the practice squad. I think it was the Falcons. He went on someone's practice squad. And then they cut him and he was out of the NFL. Like that. That quick. Go on some all-SEC freshman team his freshman year to five years later having two major injuries and being done with his football career. I think that's going to provide him with a lot of perspective in this game and with our young players. And I think that he's going to be able to connect with them in a way that other coaches might not be able to. And then you have Frank Reich. I need to do a whole podcast on disappointment. But you have Frank Reich too, career backup quarterback. Never reached the pinnacle as to where he wanted to go. Yeah, he had a playoff win. He had a couple of key wins, but I don't think guys go to the NFL hoping to be a backup. I just don't think that's in their DNA. So these are all things to consider with our coaching staff, and I think a lot of these could lead to some really great questions, but I digress with that. I think that I've ran that into the ground too much, but it is really something that I'm passionate about because it just grinds my gears to see guys get asked the same question over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And I think Charlotte Media has really kind of phoned it in for a while. And I think it's time for them to step it up. So thanks for listening, y'all. I appreciate it. I'll see you tomorrow. Peace.